You are listening to Life Stories with me, Natalie Miller-Snell. Throughout this series, you'll hear honest conversations with inspiring people. And I am so super excited and so very grateful for my guests who have been incredibly candid about their journeys. So sit back and prepare to be inspired. Hello, everyone. I am really excited for today's show. My guest is the inventor of the Snooze Shade. She is a brand builder, an e-commerce whiz, and did I say already, she's the inventor of the Snooze Shade. Please put your hands together for the absolutely incredible Cara Sayer. <laughs> Round of applause. I'll give myself a Mexican wave. Yeah, oh, do, yeah. What a great idea. I should do those now on the show. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yes, very well. Thank you so much for joining me. Now, I, yeah, I, for everyone listening, I've just got to, you know, put, put my love out there. I love Cara. And I wanted to, you know, talk about that just in the intro there. Because the Snooze Shade changed our lives back in 2011. It's an incredible product. In, uh, yeah, it's an incredible product if I get my teeth in, in and out. Um, and, it, you know, it really revolutionized how we worked with um, our little one, you know, sleeping and going out. Because it was a particularly hot spring and summer when he was born so it was right. a really great product so I'm keep for everybody who's listening let's learn a bit about you know Cara who are you and how did this incredible product come to be in terms of you know you're inventing it and, and why that happened yeah it's funny really because my background was always I was a corporate person or sort of agency person really um, and in-house so I used to work, I launched like the National Lottery in the UK back in 94, uh, launched eBay and Amazon back in 99, Tesco online shopping. I remember Good Housekeeping telling me that none of their readers would ever want to be uh, letting anyone else touch their avocados when they were choosing them. How times have changed, obviously. Um, but um, so my background was sort of marketing, PR. I went in-house, worked in publishing, et cetera. And then um, because of the fact that I was running events, and I was running a lot of them and I was out of the country constantly. I actually left my last job, uh, which is in a B2B publishing house, in order to try and get pregnant because uh, I had married my husband, or my now lovely ex-husband, uh, by that point. And um, so uh, I had to undergo IVF, and it was all quite tricky. Uh, but eventually, we were blessed with the birth of my miracle child, Holly, who is now a humongous 13 and 5 foot 6. Wow. Um, there currently. Oh, really? Um, Brilliant. <laughs> And uh, basically, when she was a baby, um, I uh, was when I was pregnant, I was in a wheelchair. So I had um, this really hideous condition called symphysis pubis dysfunction, uh, SPD. Um, and I had the worst case that anyone had ever seen. Um, I was actually used as a sort of uh, a talking point on the day I went in to have Holly by the consultant um, who was the head of the maternity unit at Guildford Hospital, Surrey, the Royal, uh, the Royal Surrey, where I had her. And I had to have a C-section. I planned to have you know, beautiful whale music and and uh, a water birth, etc. Um, and instead, ended up having to have a C-section because there was no way I could physically give birth, like, and not possibly just completely smash up my pelvis. Um, so uh, yeah, so I was in a wheelchair uh, for nine months. I had to learn how to walk again afterwards. There were some pluses. Didn't have to change any nappies in the early days, so I couldn't stand <laughs> up long enough. Uh, couldn't really do much. You know, just sat around like a beached whale basically for about sort of three months or so, and then managed to get back up around again. And then I was really, really like out there walking all the time. And this was uh, probably sort of early 2008. Uh, Holly was born at the end of uh, October, 2007. And um, and I used to do things, I'd walk to Sainsbury's, go and pick up some breakfast bits, walk to Sainsbury's for lunch. I'd be out there with the pram constantly. 
Um, and in the early days, obviously, it was you know quite cold, as it often is in the UK. And I'd be doing things like putting my jumper over the pram, putting a blanket over the pram. My, you know, my ex and I used to go out for dinner, like to go out for dinner still in the evenings. And we'd take the pram with us and then just pop a blanket over the pram, etc. Um, and then obviously, when I was sort of out walking, the coat would fall off and then I'd run over it. And then you get a dry cleaning yeah. bill or just a very muddy coat because I'm really not very good at dry cleaning stuff. I'm not organized enough. Um, and um, so anyway, so I just I, I just remember thinking this is ridiculous, you know, and um, and then one day she actually had a febrile convulsion while she was underneath a coat. Now, the coat had nothing to do with the febrile convulsion. Uh, I was very uh, reassured about that. And actually, febrile convulsions are very rarely caused by anything like that it's almost just like the the baby's internal system just goes into overheat mode and overdrive and so she had this dread and this was in the winter I ended up literally like pulling her out of the pram we'd only just sort of seen her kicking the coat and realized that she was having a fit um you know pulling all her clothes off in the middle of the street etc etc so I'm like completely as you can imagine like safety obsessed and um anyway so she had this people convulsion and uh that just was a real shock um and then we moved into the spring summer and again, you know, I wanted to be out and about with the pram and, um, you know, I was walking everywhere and I had this sunshade, but the sunshade, the problem was, A, was that she could see through it all the time, mm-hmm. uh, which was fine when she was awake, but not so good when you wanted her to go to sleep. And second of all, it was really bulky and really scratchy and horrible. It was like, it almost it always felt like a bit like a sort of a, a blackboard, you know, like when you sort of scrape your nails down a blackboard, it felt horrible. Um, and it was also so bulky that often I'd have to sort of decide whether or not I took that with me or had shopping in the underneath of the buggy. So often the shopping one, I'm afraid. Um, so um, anyway, and I remember one time I was sitting there and a, a whole load of us, there was a group of mums, uh, friends of mine, there were about five or six of us, and we had five or six prams, we'd all fed the babies, um, and then everyone started doing the same thing, like put a blanket, a muslin, a, you know, a cardigan, whatever, over the pram in order to get the baby to go to sleep. And I just thought, this is bloody ridiculous, like what on earth is this? Why is there not the equivalent of basically a blackout blind like you have in the nursery, but for the pram, for when you need to go, that you need them to go to sleep? Because we all do it. We're all out and about normally. I mean, obviously, weirdly, at the moment with lockdown and coming out of lockdown, we're now seeing a lot of babies who aren't used to being out and about. And they're actually now Snooshade is coming into its own to help babies who aren't used to being out and about, yeah. about again, which I never thought I'd see in my lifetime. Um, and, you know, so, you know, basically it was just like this is ridiculous. So I started Googling and I'm one of these people where, you know, if you tell me you want to buy an orange striped jumper made by Cuban virgins out of the hair of a lesser spotted Yeti from the Shetlands, right? I will find <laughs> that for you if it exists, okay? If it, if I can't find it, it doesn't exist. I'm, I'm a real stalker online. Um, so I couldn't find a product that did this. And I thought, well, you know, surely other people must find this idea useful. And so I sort of just, to this day, I don't even really know why. Like there wasn't... I mean, I had that light bulb moment in the, in the, in the, it was in Cafe Rouge actually in Weybridge. Um, but very, very bougie. You know. <laughs> very, bougie yeah. very, very, very middle class. Um, but, you know, but the thing is, other than that, I just sort of kind of went onto it and I just started this journey. And then I ended up, I used to work for a baby magazine and I, and they used to produce, have, uh, products on the front of the magazine and they had to be very safe so I rang someone up and said well who does that then I met the person who I'm still now manufactures for me like nearly 12 years on wow um, and, um, and then and she was a mum of four she totally got the concept of the product she was like it's genius and I was like really and she's like yes so I said okay <laughs> Um, yeah, because it's very difficult inventing something that doesn't exist you know because you're sort of yeah. worrying about the fact that you know is anyone going to like this you know 
Um, and obviously it was very strange as well in the baby product world because, you know, things in the baby product world are usually like pretty and pink and cute and they've got lovely patterns. And mine was black, you know. <laughs> and I mean, you know, if you came, like if you came, when you came round to the shows, I had people, me and my mum would be standing there and people would be like, I would never put my child under something like that, you know, like this and all. And I was just like, well, okay, then don't. (laughs) But it works a treat. But it does work a treat. And I used to have people coming up to me, funnily enough, at the shows and they say, oh, my child never sleeps in the pram. I say, well, try one of these. Here you go. Borrow it. Go off for a wander. And they'd be coming back and they'd be like, oh, my God, it's been asleep for an hour and a half two hours we don't know what to do you know like this and and I was like well it does work you know I mean the the science says it should work and it kind of does and you know but you know it was very strange in the early days I mean obviously now they're so prevalent that everyone's used to it so there is this sort of it's now become a norm which is a good thing and I mean in the early days I was probably less less say fair about it I got very offended you know if people were insulting you know my child this was my other baby you know this was the, the the fruit of my brain and, um, you know, and this was so I had Holly, if someone came up and told me my child was ugly, I'd punch them. So I sort of had to try and restrain myself when they were sort of saying my other baby was ugly as well. So now I'm just like, well, I literally am very much like you, you kind of come into your own in terms of look, if you don't like it, don't buy it. No one has a gun against your head, you know, yeah. like literally, like you don't have to buy it. If you want your child to sleep, go and find something else. Good luck. But go yeah. on, off you go, you know, um, and but so I'm afraid, yes, this might be the only option. And the reason it's the only option, it doesn't look pretty and all the rest of it is because it's all about the function. And I'm not about pretty things. I've tried to make it as pretty as I can. You know, I've sort of added nice little details on and I've given it color trim ways and all that sort of stuff. But if you want it to do its job, I'm afraid this is how it's got to look, you know. Well, that's the thing. And also, I imagine if you start to uh, fiddle with the integrity of what it is that you've made in terms of, you know, keeping the, imagine the materials, a certain consistency in order to both allow it to be breathable, but, you know, that's basically better than breathable, you see. So breathable is a much misused word. Breathability of fabric is all about moisture wicking. So if you're up a mountain, you don't want all your sweat sticking to your skin so that you then freeze and die. So breathability in fabric is actually about the way it moves moisture. Air permeability is what you actually want. And that's what my fabric is. It's also about breathable. But the thing is, is it's fundamentally that's the key. because it's all about air passing through the, the fabric. And as long as the air passes through, then you can't like build up heat, which is what people worry about. And therefore... You know, it's not, I mean, as I always say, it's not an air conditioning unit. If it's hot outside, it's going to be hot underneath. But you are blocking the UV. You are also shading baby, you know, which yeah. actually is always going to be cooler sitting in the shade, which is why people don't say go and sit in the sun if you want to cool down. Um, you know, all of these things come into effect. And I mean, I was actually obsessed with all of that right from the word go. So before I even launched, I'd gone and spoken to like, he's uh, a guy who's, um, he got an, uh, did he get he got an, o, an MBE I think or an OBE or something like that for his work um on with thermophysics but thermophysics now mm-hmm. my physics teacher from school would be immensely proud of the fact I can even say that word because I think I got about 15% <laughs> for my physics exam <laughs> and that you researched it and as that, well yeah, exactly and then it just turned out one of my really good friends was a physics teacher and I was like well but I just want to make sure that you know this it works like you know why does it work what what's going to keep it from like overheating because it's black isn't it and black is bad and if something black and then you're gonna you're gonna overheat and she said well yes if it's a brick yes but not if it's fabric and you know and there's various you know actually it's better because it's black because it heats up faster so it actually creates more convection etc etc um and plus the fact that the air permeability is there so basically hot air will always rise you, you can't stop hot air from rising hence why a hot air balloon rises 
Um, but obviously you would not be able to make a very good hot air balloon out of a snooze shade. In fact, you know, it just wouldn't even like move, <laughs> you know, whereas hot air balloon fabric is designed to trap the air. It moves, it rises. Therefore, you know, you, you get hot air balloon in the air. So all these things I've had to learn, which I never thought I would have to learn in my life, because why would I? Because I was never interested in science. <laughs> You know, listening to everything you've said there, what's quite remarkable is there's so much resilience in what you've what you've done and what you've achieved, even from right at the beginning. All of the the different hurdles, you know, will folk like it? Giving giving opinions back. So feedback, I always um, say, is, is remarkable. It's the it's the best thing that we can oh, I love get. Feedback. And I love yeah. negative feedback more than I love positive. Exactly, because you can work on that, and that's yeah, really that, where that you need to it. change things. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's where all my products have come, if you see, because I started obviously with one, which was the Snooze Shade original. And that's for now, that's very clearly. And, and again, when you start off a business as well, and particularly with products, you know, you, you want everyone to like them, like everyone, everyone buy. You know, whereas now I've very clearly segmented, like the, the original is for naught to six months. And then I've got the plus, the plus deluxe for six months plus work. Because people would say, well, I want one when the baby can sit up and look out, which you can't do with the original. So I was like, okay. So I got my mum under the pram. I cut heart one of the layers of fabric out. So can you see? She said, yeah, I went, great. Okay, that'll do then. And then developed, like, and then I've developed it from there. Um, and then obviously people then said, oh, I want one for, you know, it's double width buggy. So I've got two versions for that. Although one, they're both, one's in just about to launch and the other one we sold out. Um, then some people didn't like the black. So I had to find a different color for the black because we did come across a lot of resistance against the black, particularly in the States, not so much in the UK, but in the States, we had a lot of resilience, uh, resistance to it. So I came up with what is now the deluxe range. And that came about because I needed it to be as dark as possible to in order to maintain the UV and also the light blocking for sleep when when it's in sleep mode. Um, and I came up with this like really nice dark silver color, which was lovely and I think looks very elegant and hence why it's called the deluxe. Um, and then infant car seat version, you know, people like I want one to use for the infant car seat and oh, I want one for the travel cot, the cot. So now there's a range of about sort of, well, I think there'll be about 15 or 16 products by the end of the year because I'm launching about another two this year. That's amazing. I mean, again, the whole journey. So when you first started out, this was all about enabling your um, Holly to be able to sleep and also supporting other parents as well in, in that way. And now it's evolved. Oh, did yeah. you anticipate that or were you prepared no. for it or did you no, want to do that? Yeah, I always had. So it's really interesting. So I say yes and no and no and yes. So, <laughs> um, so in my mind, I always had global domination in the back of my mind. And I don't know why, but I think that's probably just I'm the, that sort of person. I don't do things by halves. And I always felt like, you know, there were enough parents in the world who needed a product to help their children sleep. And it wasn't just a UK issue. Um, and um and, and all the products, as I say, have been developed just by listening to customers and parents, you know, constantly saying, well, I do like this. I don't like that. You know, I mean, I'm always changing stuff. I've just completely revamped the infant car seat version. I've changed the color of the trim because everyone seems to like the gray and it's neutral. Um, and then I've sort of, you know, jazzed up this and jazzed up that and blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, and so it's, it's all about sort of listening to things. But no, when I first started, I remember standing. In fact, I can, you know, there are moments in the journey that I can remember. And one of them was, um, I mean, I had a nervous, full nervous breakdown in the um, June of 2010, um, which was just after I launched. So we launched in March 2010. I launched. I say we. There was no we. It was I. Um, and, um, you know, just the royal we. Um, and um, although Kate Middleton has used snoo shades for Louis. Uh, oh, so, they you know, brilliant. Yes, I know. Who'd have ever thunk that, eh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
But um, I do, I, I had this full nervous breakdown in 2010, a variety of factors. I was going through another couple of rounds of IVF. In fact, probably when I met you, I'd probably go through IVF, I would have thought. Um, and that all went not very well, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the stress of the business, the success was, it was so immense. And I had no idea what I was doing. I'd never run a business before. I had no clue. So that was really quite a scary place to be. You know, possibly not that happily married, hence why I'm now divorced. Don't think that was ideal. Um, and also trying to be a full-time mum and a full-time entrepreneur was really, you know, and whilst I don't necessarily love the term mumpreneur, I do think like, or parentpreneur, whatever you want to call them, I do think it's very different when you are the primary caregiver of a small baby and running a business yeah. than when you are like a pet, just happen to have a child and you go to work every day, yeah. you know, and somebody else is at home looking after the baby or you share it equally or whatever it might be. But I was literal full-time mum and I was trying to launch this business, which was a big unwieldy beast of a creature, which, you know, became very successful very quickly, which was great in some ways, but also very difficult to, to manage. So literally straight after I'd had this full nervous breakdown where my mum had to move in, look after me because I wasn't eating. I didn't, you know, it was literally a vegetable. Uh, I had to um, just sit uh, every day and, and, you know, and it was, it was absolutely horrendous and I would never recommend anyone. I'm always very, when I work with people and give advice to people, I'm always like, do you know what? There are so many more important things in life but the most important thing you've got is your health. And, yeah. you know, actually that should never take a precedence. You know, I, I see a lot of people doing what I did, which is particularly in the early startup days, you know, there's this frenetic energy and it's a, you've got to do everything, got to do everything now. And I mean, actually the one thing that it showed me was, you know, I, I literally fell apart and the business carried on, you know, uh, yeah. there was an element where I still had to occasionally pull, you know, do an invoice and carry shipments downstairs and things. But other than that, I was a vegetable literally. Um, and, um, you know, and, and, and the business carried on. And, and so then uh, in the September after I got better, I mean, I was I literally I think I went down with it. I went down in sort of June and by sort of end of August, I was sort of better. So, of course, the first thing you're going to do is sign up for an international trade show in Germany. <laughs> in September, OVS. Um, and then and I remember standing there and that was my first proper trade, first proper international trade show. And I remember like seeing all these other people who had all these ranges of products. You know, I was thinking, wow, where do they get the ideas for this? This is amazing. You know, and I was just thinking, shit, I'm really crap because I've only got one product, you know, and it is it's really funny. Comparisonitis. How yeah. yeah. Comparisonitis. And you just sort of think, oh, my God. And, you know, now I say to people, the most important thing you can do whatever you're doing is listen to people who are buying from you because they will tell you what else they want. If you listen, if you don't listen, they won't, <laughs> or they will tell you, but you'll ignore them. Um, so, you know, whether that is, you know, um, you know, products or whether that's services, whatever it might be, it applies across the board, you know, listen to what people are telling you they need, you know, and then if you do want to, and then you see, you've then got to decide whether you want to give it to them or not, yeah. because you don't have to. Right. You don't have to do. I mean, I with my consultancy side, which I've, you know, the business, the side of the business, which I've, I've sort of had burbling away for like about five years now. I think I launched it in 2016 and I haven't really done anything with it at all until recently. But I just didn't really want to do a lot of the stuff that I knew I was going to have to do. And so actually, I don't do it. So I don't do very basic level stuff. You know, I do. I work with people who've already got a product brand and I work with people who want to sell more product and are you know struggling to do so. But then you see, I'm also the other side of it is I've also just tell them what it is I think they should do. And if they don't want to do it, then really there's no point working with me. And again, you see, again, it's that sort of 
being real, you know, about it because, you know, I don't want to waste my time telling somebody this is what I think you should do. And then they don't, they don't want to do it or they're not mm. going to do it because it's a waste of my time. It's a waste of their, their money. And it's a waste of my energy. I don't, I've got more important things in my life to be working on, you know. And we're not all for each other as well. I mean, I find that with coaching as well. There'll be clients that come to me um, and we're perfect match. You know, that energy yeah, works and it's going to be successful, but there might be somebody else that, and we just don't gel. And it's really important to, I think, establish that up front, as you've quite rightly said, in order for both parties to be able to move forward and work. Yeah. Otherwise, you could get into a cycle of it becomes quite unpleasant. Well, it's a bit or unpleasant and a bit stressful. Yeah bit stressy and and it's not you know, worth and, that. I, and I'm definitely not for everybody because you know I don't mince my words and in whilst I'm not nasty or unpleasant in any way shape or form I'm also not going to listen to oh well, I just don't think and I don't know and you know all that it's like look this is what you need to do and you're either going to do it or you're not so the people I work best with are the ones who just get on do it come back and say I've done it and I'm like right okay next this is what we do, you know, rather than this sort of, you know, let's all sit and talk about all the things that you could do. Well, let's not talk about could, let's do some stuff, you know, and see how that works and see how that develops. And then that should help your business. Action orientated. No, I like that. And what really resonated with me just now, what you said about the, the moment in 2010, when you, you know, you experienced or the, the nervous breakdown, the reflection on that in that actually it didn't change. Everything was still there. And I think that's really important, particularly in, in terms of what we've all experienced over this last year and the, 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 the craziness that's been our isolated world that we're living in. We can actually go outside and look at the, you know, the trees, walk in nature, and yeah. things will still be there when we get back. And actually, that is really, really, really important. Yeah, well, I mean, this time last year, my business fell like by 80 to 90 percent. Oh, because people weren't going out. Wow. So how was that for you? How did you, what, what did you have to do in that sense? Um, I just evaluated how much it was going to cost me to keep the business going for, say, a year at the basicest, most basic level. If I cut every subscription, cut every <clears throat> inessential, kept as many of, of my team, which I did, I kept all but one of my team. Um, and the only person, and actually that was more, re it was actually a good opportunity rather than a, it was, you know, um, and um, and then I um, yeah just literally sat there with a pen and pencil and a piece of paper working out what the bare minimum of sales could be to kind of keep me at that level plus me potentially subsidizing the business for up to a year and and how much money I could live off you know and actually in the end I had a really good year still hit seven figures um, my profit margin was um, was down somewhat because I had to pay a lot more for shipping products all over the place because obviously I'd had to ca I cancelled a whole load of orders then had to reinstate them and then had to get things shipped and I mean we're having issues now as well what with wow. you know with evergreen um, and the general demand levels in China etc so things are being delayed so I'm out of stock of a few things because I can't do much about it mm. um, and um Fortunately, I've got other stock I can sell instead because I've got sort of interchangeable products mainly. But, um, you know, you yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't ever think I would go out of business, if I'm honest, uh, because people will always have babies and people will always want to protect them and help them sleep and all the rest of it. But I mean, one of the things we really focused on in lockdown was uh, we made some great relationships with lots of baby sleep consultants and things like that. And people... Okay. Funnily enough, I mean, lots of we get I get approached all the time because a lot of baby seat consultants, a bit like yourself, you know, they've had children and they've used a snooze shade, and then they're like starting a business because a lot of people suddenly wanted a different business because yeah. of COVID. So they started looking at they'd always been interested in sleep. So we're getting a lot of people who, you know, and also people were struggling with babies sleeping more with lockdown and all the rest of it and not being out and about and all the rest of it. Um, 
So we've actually sort of built up this really strong, I call it almost like a little mini army of people who are out there recommending the products because they know they work because they've used them, you know, and plus introducing them to new people who maybe haven't heard of them because that's the other thing. Um, And this is something that I, you know, I generally try and come at life with a, with a sort of mindset of abundance. So, um, you know, I don't do this sort of, you know, if there were, you know, there are other products on the market that are similar to Snoo Shade. I mean, I got copied by Aldi two years ago by blatant um, wow. copy. I mean, that was literally, they copied me word for word on my packaging and just took my product and copied it. No. Uh, and um, yeah, but it was great. I got loads of publicity. I was on the BBC <laughs> One show, Channel 5 News. I was in every major newspaper in the country. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a plus side to everything, isn't there? Wow. And, um, you know, and I'm, I'm I'm still, I mean, at the moment, like with the Colin, the Caterpillar and Caterpillar, all that. I was going to say, yeah. I'm being dragged into a lot of conversations about that because people are like, oh, remember they copied Snooshade and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, and I'm like, yes, they did. Um, but um, I do come at things with, a, with a, a mindset of abundance and also realism as well, which is I think some people get very precious about as if like, you know, their customers it's so so my perspective is right if every person who had a baby in the UK had bought knew about snoo shade I probably wouldn't be sitting here chatting to you from my sofa I would be on a beach in Barbados I was gonna say cocktails <laughs> and I still would have spoken to you but I'd be probably a bit pissed by now um so you know so the, real, the reality is that you know there are like nearly three quarters million babies born a year in the UK and funnily enough not every single one of those so I probably now I think probably do about 10 to 15 percent of babies born which is pretty damn good wow that's Uh, that's a good conversion i hit one percent in the first year um and then it's sort of grown steadily you know steadily more and more and more but but the thing is ultimately it's the same in any industry market whatever there are plenty of people to go around and there's always people out there who are potential customers who just don't know about you yet yeah you know and so you've just got to remember, it's not that there's like suddenly a great big, like, you know, everyone in the world who would buy your product service has died. It's just that they don't know about you. So it's just about making sure people, and that's one of the things I think my background has always been very useful in because I am probably marketing focused more than anything else and brand awareness and raising visibility. That is, you know, and it's really interesting as well, because I mean, I look at, I've got loads of other friends of mine in the baby industry and I mean they've all got like 50 60,000 followers on Instagram I've only got 17 nearly 18,000 yeah. um but I but I still managed to penetrate in terms of sales you know it's not about quality it's a quantity it's about quality I tell, I'm with you on that actually because I see a lot even in clubhouse actually as well people have got these enormous followings oh, but yeah. I, it, does that translate what does that convert like, what's to what's actually getting out of it you know yeah so it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic. I, I really appreciate what you what you said there, actually. Right. OK, so a question for you. Uh, back then in 2010-ish, when you were launching, what was your five-year goal? Did you have one? No. Or ten, no, OK. No, I didn't even have a business plan. I mean, oh. I actually wrote, right? I mean, this is why people make me laugh when they're all like, oh, I haven't got a business plan. You don't need a business plan. You need, like, an ability to just go, uh, I think that, you know, X number of people, you've got to have some, I mean, don't get me wrong. You've you know, got a vision. You've, yeah, you've I know what you're doing. Yeah. And you've also got to have some kind of reality check. So, you know, if you want to, if you want to sort of start a business where you're selling to, you know, I only want to sell to people who've got ginger hair and one eye and half a leg, right? Then there's probably quite a limited audience of people who are going to be buying from you, if you know, you know, to, those are your audience. But if you want to, you know, sell to parents of children, Right. So, for example, you know, um, 
people who buy my products need a few things, right? They need a baby, okay, (laughs) ideally. And they also need to be uh, using a pram or an infant car seat or a travel cot. So for me, people who want to carry their baby until their child is 16, they are not going to be my potential audience. So what I did is I sort of was very clear about who I wasn't talking to more than who I was in some ways and therefore you know rule out a lot of that that's what I mean again about the you know if someone doesn't want to buy the product because they don't like the look of it or they don't well then don't buy it you know it's okay you don't have to and I think it's you know you've just got to you know have a have a a realistic um vision of the sort of people who might be interested in buying your service product whatever it might be and and there must be enough of them you know Because like I say, if you're trying to go for three people, then you're probably not going to have a very successful business. Um, and, you know, and then you've also got to think about well, what that, pro- what that, what you're giving, what is the service and is it priced correctly? You know, because again, you know, are you talking to people who are all living in castles and, um, you know, have staff or are you speaking to normal human beings who work every day and would have to make a decision about whether or not they can invest in this particular service product, whatever it is, you know, um, and, you know, I mean, I haven't changed my price point since I launched, you know, on my wow. main, my main product is still is 19.99. I start, but you see, when I first went to the trade show, I went to a trade show with a prototype um, before I launched. And that's where I got my first retailer. I got Jojo Mamon Bebe, who I still sell to today. Wow. Um, and, um, you know, I went there and I was, and there was another product that had launched um, by a company called Coody and they'd started doing this sun and sleep shade. And I just thought, oh, well, there's no point in me being bothering to going to the show because there's another, there's another product. But, at, and then I was like, right, well, I think it'll be about 15 pounds thinking I had to match that product's price, but my product did a lot more and it had a lot more features and a lot more. And it was a double layer for one thing and protected from more UV. It had a zip, it had the, you know, functionality, blah, blah, blah. And so I, then I went, oh, I'll push it up to 17.99. And then I had this conversation with somebody um, who was lovely. And he said to me, look, it's just too cheap. Just go 19.99. No one's going to like the difference between 17.99 and 19.99 is minimal. And, and, and actually, thank God I did, because, you know, I've kept that price for that product because that's one of my the best selling one of the best selling products. So my manufacturing cost has come it's gone up. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's main because I buy more of it in volume. Yeah. I'm able to keep the price so that yes, I make less money than I did when I very first started, but I'm selling a lot more of it, so yeah. it kind of balances out, you know. But that's invaluable, and I think that can be applied to absolutely everything, oh, whether or not it's a product you're designing, whether or not it's a business, whether or not it's a service you're offering. Yeah, or a it's about valuing. Absolutely. It's valuing yourself for what you're bringing because it's not just the course. It's you behind it. It's the extra materials you're bringing in. It's what knowledge you've got or whatever else. There's so much more to your own individual offer. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, no one else is you. Yes. You know, and I mean, that's another thing I see people worrying, you know, like I see a lot, particularly because I have quite a lot of friends who, you know, are coaches and mentors and all the various other things and what have you. And um, and I see, you know, a lot of, well, you know, so-and-so's like basically copied my idea. Well, they, they might have copied the idea, but they won't copy the delivery method because the way you deliver it is always going. And even if they try and copy the exact delivery method, it won't come out the same because they're not you. And so they could even say the same words. They could literally go like, you know, uh, get your tech your cop your sorry your speech like transcribe yeah. and read it out and it wouldn't sound real because they're not you and that's why you know that's what really makes a business a business you know a business that people want to engage with is because they identify or don't identify with that business you know and often the owner or you know people involved with the business as well you're you're 
bang on the money. I totally agree. You can give exactly the same thing in two different offers, but it will be entirely different because of who's behind it yeah. and how that then comes across. This is rich with information and knowledge, um, Cara. Thank you so much for sharing. For anyone who's listening and has an idea they want to put out into the market or they're thinking about something that they've, you know, they've had the, the light bulb moment, if you like. What, what's your one top bit of advice that you would offer? I think just get on and do something because um, actually, I mean, I, I've even had people, it makes me laugh actually sometimes, I read some of the reviews like, I had this idea, uh, you know, about 10 years ago. I can't believe that this is like, you know, and you're just thinking, yeah, but did you do anything about it, lovely? Let's say, you know, and the other thing is also, you don't necessarily always have to do things all in one go. So as I said, I mean, you know, since I started, like back in 2010, I've had people always ask me, how do you do this? How do you do that? Well, you know, and I used to give hours and hours and hours of my time for free to people, you know, like this is what you need to do. You need to think about this. You need to think about doing that, blah, 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 and all the rest of it. And my mum used to tell me off and she'd be like, look, you're wasting your time because she'd say they don't do anything with it. And I'd be like, no, they don't. And actually, to be fair, probably out of that, um, I know about four or five people who I've spent some time with and given them advice on an ongoing basis. And, you know, they've now got successful businesses. And that's, you know, that's really lovely because I know 100% I helped them in doing that. Um, but I did also waste a lot of time, you know, and and also I just didn't really want to do it either, if I'm brutally honest, you know. So um, <clears throat> one of the things I've done in the lot, so I started this thing, which at the time was called Make It, Market It, Sell It. And then I decided I didn't like market it last year because I'm not really about marketing. I'm about brands. Like I love a bill. Like for me, part of your business has to be a brand because, you know, a brand is an emotive reaction rather than a kind of factual one with a business. And, you know, the more you can build a brand that people can refer to and, and you know, around whether it's yourself or the product, et cetera, you know, the more longevity you're going to have, basically. Um and um, so I, I changed it last year to make it, brand it, sell it. And so um, my plan was to write a course on how to invent a best-selling product. So I started doing that last year. Um, and I've sort of, I'm also going to, I'm writing a book at the same time. So I'm actually, what I'm really doing is writing a book, which is also going to be a course so that whoever, if people want to do the course, they can, if they want to read the, read the book, they can. So I'm sort of about two thirds of the way through that. And I've, I've always had people sort of nagging at me saying, oh, you need to do more. You need to do more, blah, blah, blah. So um, I am. Um, uh, what was it about a couple of months ago um, one of the things I'm, I think is so important about building a brand and, and something that I've experienced myself uh, when I've accidentally lost it when I fucked it up a bit is your trademark so for example you know I I have um, obviously have trademark snooze in many countries and I've done most of it myself some of it you can't because like in the US you're not allowed to if you're non-US resident etc in Canada etc but I did my own in the UK in the EU in Australia in New Zealand Canada etc you could do it then and then I lost it and then I've got it back again and I because I lost my US trademark because I didn't realize that the rules were different and you had to actually prove oh. you using it and pay some fees uh, so all this stuff so I did a how do you do your own trademark course um about two months ago I think um because actually that is one of the things I think is with the cornerstone of anybody's business whether you're a coach whether you're um, you know, product based business, etc. You know, it is literally that is your brand. And if and actually, if somebody steals that brand or starts to use it, you know, with a trademark, you have actually got legs to stand on. Um, whereas you don't otherwise, you know, it's sort of like, well, kind of tough, <laughs> yeah. you know, depending on depending on which country you're in, etc. But you know, sometimes you can have unregistered, but to be honest, you want a registered one. And especially if it becomes a business asset as well. You know, if I was ever to sell Snoo Shade, you know, I'm, I'm handing over the ability to 
there's a trademark in all these different countries for that brand, which means, you know, I've got Chinese trademarks. So no one in China can trademark that brand, you know, all of those things. Um, but also as a coach or something like that, you know, it's really important to trademark because, you know, if you want to move to the US, you, to the US market, you know, if somebody else has trademarked that brand already, it means you've spent all that time building up your brand in the UK. And then you're going to go and try and transition across to, you know, US, Australia, Canada, other English speaking countries where you'd probably want to go to first. And you might not be able to because somebody else might have trademarked that name. So yeah. all of these things are something you need to be thinking about right from the beginning when you start off um you know it's protection for yourself but it's also you know a, a sort of a looking into the future um type scenario you know um so yeah so that was that was really interesting and, I, and, and that was really good as well so the reason I'm saying about it is because I had this big plan in my head about writing how to invent a best-selling product course and actually the first course I've broken my teeth on is actually something much smaller but at least it's given me the it's helped me break in the process and, and I think really important yeah things, is that you know, you don't always have to do everything all singing, all dancing. I started off with one product. I've ended up with now like 15, 16. You know, yes, I've done this one course on trademarks. Um, and then I'm going to do a bigger one, which will be about how to launch a, you know, a, a, how to launch a best selling product, etc. But, you know, and I might do other things in between as well, you know. Um, but I think that's the thing is just sort of be as flexible as you can with with all of this, because I think, you know, it's very easy to get drawn into a sort of, you know, well, this is what you should do. This is how you should do it. And I don't like the word should. Yeah, you know, no, totally agree. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I just do well, what can I do? Not yeah. necessarily. And how do I do it? Totally. You know? I love it. Sound advice. Absolutely fantastic. So to, to wrap this up, you are uh, your globally footprint. You've got uh, your product everywhere in every market yep. at the moment. Absolutely. So how do people find you? What's the best place to, to find you online? Well, depending, I mean, obviously Snooshade is everywhere. So snooshade.com. And then actually I've just, um, I've, funnily enough, and again, you see now this, this, I'll just tell you this, this is quite funny. Literally two weeks ago or something, I bought my domain carasea.com years ago. Um, and then when I did make it brand it, sell it, I did make it brand it, sell it.com. But then I realized it was actually a really annoyingly long, like a domain name. So yeah. like, you know, when, you, when people are emailing, it's like, hello at make it brand it, sell it.com. I thought, oh God, no, there's going to be loads of typos. So then I thought, right, I'll look and I'll see. And I quite, I've always called it, nicknamed it Mabizi. It was Mamizi before when it was make it, market it, sell it. It was Mamizi. Then now it became Mabizi. But Mabizi.com oh. has been sold. I don't know who's using it or why. So I was like, oh, I can't do that. So then I've just gone sod it. Do you know what? Carasea.com. So that's what I, so the website is me, is Carasea.com. And so that's the other way of getting hold of me. Um, and the, the, the uh, if anyone on Facebook, if you're interested in products and that sort of thing, I don't do that. To be honest, I'll be honest, I don't do that much on it at the moment because I'm actually focusing a lot on offloading a whole load of stuff to do with Snooshade right now, which is why I'm super busy because then it free me up to do the other stuff. And, um, you know, so I'm sort of, I think last year was again, another glitch in that plan. My plan was last year was to actually, you know, offload Snooshade to other people to run a bit more, to leave gotcha. me free to be doing the stuff that I really want to do. But that didn't happen because there was some stupid pandemic or something. A virus, I, oh, I believe, God, I yeah. yeah. Some, something happened anyway. Some small thing. Yeah, some small thing. <laughs> So, um, so it's all been delayed a bit, but you see again, and that's another thing, don't stress, you know, like yeah. stuff delayed, you know, and like who, and the thing is when I do launch properly and do it all singing and dancing, I will do it the way I do it. And nobody else, like somebody else could try and do what I'm doing, but they won't do it like me. So, you know, unique. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me, Cara. This has been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. My lovely. <laughs> Bless you. And thanks everyone for listening. Take care. Look after yourself. Keep well.
You have been listening to Life Stories with me, Natalie Miller-Snell. For all information related to my guests, please check the show notes. And if you wish to continue the conversation with us, please hashtag Life Stories on all social channels. If you enjoyed this show, please pop over to seizetheday.simplecast.com where you'll find my other shows. If you're interested to know any more about coaching, please visit me at nmscoaching.co.uk where you'll also find details of the latest workshops I am running. Thank you so much for listening. 